praying in the chambers and the proudly pro-life weekend rolls us in to the brand new legislative session that starts today inside the South Carolina State House, 18 weeks away from Sunny Die. We'll give you the rundown of the eight things that we are prioritizing in this legislative session. I'm Justin Hall. Welcome in to the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. That's right. On Wednesday, we'll be having our one message press conference to go through the priorities that we have for the legislative session the second half this calendar year. But first, before we get to that, I just wanted to say thank you to those of you who were at the State House at four o'clock last Friday. It was an unbelievable sight as I walked up the steps to the second floor lobby to see this group of people ready to pray and now praying over the lieutenant governor. And it just continued from there. And President Dave Wilson is here with us uh, of Palmetto Family Council. And and Dave, I still, it's one of those things, December 1 at the Supreme Court is one thing, but then seeing the other side of it here, these are images that are going to be etched in my mind for a long time. When you think about 100 people in the State House lobby going into the House and Senate chambers, praying in those chambers for the members, for the things that are going to be going on throughout the year, you begin to see and recognize that the spiritual temperature is going to change in the state house when you begin this time giving it over to the Lord. I mean, this is the place where we really want to encourage you. As you think about what's going on, so many people ask, you know, well, well, what do I need to do? Well, here's the issues. What, what can I do? And as, as much as it sounds like a great Sunday school answer, the first place that we start is with prayer, because we are inviting the Holy Spirit to not only be at work, which he already is, but, but to put us alongside of that so that our hearts and our mentalities and what we're bringing to the table is asking the Holy Spirit to be at work in the lives of the 170 men and women of our General Assembly with our elected leaders in the executive branch, the governor, the lieutenant governor, superintendent of education, the attorney general, the secretary of state, all of those positions so that they can be making wise decisions that are coming at it from a worldview that they may not hold right now, but because we're praying about those things, that the Holy Spirit is at work and working and doing things in a way that we can't even begin to grasp and understand. But it was so great to see nearly 100 people in our state house praying on Friday afternoon. I had a state representative come up to me and say, I never thought I would see people praying over our desks in this chamber in my lifetime. And here they were. Not only that, but that night you had the Proudly Pro-Life dinner, which saw nearly 700 people gathered in a room at Seawells to take a stand for life. And to look back on the accomplishments of the pro-life movement to this point, and obviously there's still a long way to go, that dinner was attended by many people that, that you would know if I if I told you their names. And then that rolled into Saturday morning, a cold morning at the State House for the Proudly Pro-Life March and Rally. Listen, it is a, a phenomenal time. And what better weekend to have leading into the second half of the legislative session than this one, which says, hey, this is still a priority, number one, praying in the chambers, we want to build the spiritual infrastructure in our state, and we want to change the spiritual temperature inside that Capitol building, because that's where true change happens. And not only that, but the pro-life movement obviously isn't going anywhere as we await the decision on the Dobbs case, amongst other things. But as we head into the second half of the legislative session, if you're listening to this on its release date, 
Wednesday, January the 12th at 10 a.m., we, along with our One Message partners, will be holding a press conference on the second floor of the lobby of the State House. We encourage you to be there for that. Well, we're going to lay out the eight priority items that we feel are the most important to tackle in this legislative session. And it starts, Dave, and we're going to run through these. What we're going to do is we're just going to give you a quick run-through of these. We're not going to try to keep you very long. We want to give you a quick run-through of each of these items. So understand who One Message is. One Message is a group, a coalition of conservative groups across the state that have come together. We've been working together for, golly, more than a decade now. But we're really working right now to formalize a, a way for us to be seen as, as as Lisa Van Riper with South Carolina Citizens for Life called us the 10 Musketeers. Uh, but to understand who is involved in this, we at Palmetto Family are involved, along with Alliance Defending Freedom. You've got the South Carolina Baptist Convention, the Roman Catholic Diocese of Charleston, Concerned Women for America, South Carolina Citizens for Life, the Christian Chamber of Commerce, and the pregnancy centers from across South Carolina. So as these groups come together, we are working together to say we're going to be standing as a voice united on issues that range across the spectrum for the things that we know and that we we care about and the issues that we want to see moving forward because we realize that if we're all coming at this from a biblical worldview, if we're looking at what's happening within the legislature and addressing those things together, that's a united voice for every supporter of every single one of those groups. And that is well over a million people in South Carolina focused in on these issues. Issue number one, transparency in education. This has been a key cornerstone issue. And as we've talked about it on the podcast, Justin, a few weeks ago when they had the election in Virginia. And we talked about it from the standpoint of critical race theory and what does that included is that in our education system. And it really has expanded to that beyond that to a place of what is actually going on in our schools. So many of you are at home right now. And and last year, you were at home because the classroom moved from the classroom to the living room. And I can't tell you, Justin, how many people we had who were like, listen, I actually started hearing what they were actually saying in classes, the things that were being discussed and talked about. And it was really concerning for me. And as we have begun to work through those ideas, as we have talked with legislators like Representative R.J. May out of Lexington County, he has a bill that he's going to be introducing about transparency in education. It's an important thing for us to begin to realize parents need to be involved in what's going on with their their child's education. Grandparents, you need to know what's going on in your grandchild's classroom. You need to be there in a part of what's happening at your local school board, in the classrooms that are that your kids and grandkids are a part of, because that is an important thing to know and understand. Are they teaching a worldview that I agree with? Because if they're not teaching world your worldview, I can guarantee you they're teaching somebody's worldview. And that is an important thing for us to consider. So that's just one. The next is medical rights of conscience. And, and this... This is evolving from the moment it was introduced. It has evolved since then. If you if you can recollect, if you were following us back in June of 2021, you had the situation with Columbia City Council, which dealt with therapy and dealt with meeting 
with youths who were questioning their sexual identity or their gender identity, whatever it might be. And there was put forward a motion, and it passed in the city of Columbia, that if you're a Christian pastor or counselor, you cannot impose your worldview. It has to be affirmative Right conversation, and so the the they did it under the broad scope of conversion therapy, which in and of itself, under as a as a label, can kind of carry some connotations. But they did not do a great job within the ordinance to actually define what it is. So it becomes this kind of red herring. We'll just throw it out there. The problem that you have was it would not allow for Christian counselors to bring a biblical worldview into a counseling situation for minors who are struggling with sexual orientation and gender identity. Mom and dad bring their their daughter in because she's not sure where she is or their son in because they're not he's not sure where he is on his sexual identity. It can be confusing for these kids today, especially when you take a look at everything that social media is throwing at them right now. And with that, for a parent to go, I I as a Christian parent want to be able to have a conversation with my child. I need some help from a professional who can do that. You have Christian counseling centers across the city of Columbia that would be told, you can't talk about this from a biblical worldview. You can only be affirmative and tell them that, well, we'll work with you as you want to talk about your transitioning. That's just absolutely ludicrous. So you have a bill that has already passed the House and has gone over to the Senate. Senator Josh Kimbrell has an, another bill that he has reintroduced, S-811. And that bill, they're working on a companion bill now with the House to really solidify and say, medical professionals and counselors have a right to be able to focus on their rights of conscience as to what they will and will not do. There are certain doctors who are being forced to look at procedures and participate in procedures for sex changes for minors, for therapies that would need to go on, for a number of different items. And in that, they're being basically forced by some places within corporate health care to do things that go against their conscience. And that is something that we've got to make sure gets protected. And so the medical rights of conscience is one of the items we're going to be talking about. It kind of carries over to our next topic, which is saving women's sports. That has got two strikes right now in the South Carolina House. They've got one more time at bat. And I'm just I'm I'm very concerned on this one, Justin, because as we think about this, this is, you know, basically making it into law that guys play sports against guys and girls play sports against girls. Because if you take a look at it right now, some of the leading swimmers, bikers, weightlifters in the female category, have male anatomy. And yes. that right there has got to make you just shake your head and go, where are we? You're right, Dave. This has two strikes on it now. And this is a kind of a, a last opportunity for the House to try to get something done on this legislation. Simply put, you, you, you talk about this legislation, you say, well, that should be really easy, especially in a state that has what I would call a supermajority across the board. Right. And it hadn't been easy. No, because, and, and this is part of the legislative process, is to which committees does it go into? For so the last two times, it's gone into the Judiciary Committee of the House. The subcommittee within there has moved it through, but it gets to a full committee. And there were six 
Republicans who voted against this bill and killed it twice last legislative session. This is a place where elections matter. Who gets elected and put into office matters. And as it stands right now, if we don't turn around and make it very clear that we're going to set a line in the sand and say, we're going to define this, then it's going to get defined by somebody else. It's either going to be defined by the high school league, which already has a policy in place right now. They have already had reviews four different instances of this in South Carolina. Now, the league at this point in time has not allowed a male to participate in a female sport, but we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. We, we talk, we're going to talk a little bit about another bill that's called Religion is Essential, and people go, well, of course, I mean, you know, our churches remained open during the whole pandemic. They were allowed to remain open, unlike California, which you were you know, limited to 15 people in a room, and, and you couldn't even have services that were taking place or singing anything above a whisper. Right. But if we don't put it into law, then the next person that comes along can turn around and say, well, this is what we're going to do. Right. And this is a place where saving women's sports is not only for the sports aspect. It's for the long-term educational opportunities that are there for athletes, for scholarship opportunities that can easily get stolen by Joe deciding that he wants to compete as Josephine. And that, trust me, folks, that does not play well with some folks. As a matter of fact, you know, Matt Walsh, who is a commentator on conservative issues, he's been banned from Twitter for making comments about this very type of bill. And that's just a place where we as believers have got to be able to stand up and say, you know what? There's a difference between men and women. You're right. And you mentioned the South Carolina High School League. Listen, we need to codify this into state law some way because the simple fact is the South Carolina High School League has problems when it comes to setting districts and regions up for how they want to put schools and regions for athletic play. There are issues there. We need we need actual state law defining this outside of the high school league's purview. To that end, we go to the next topic, and that's medical marijuana. Because it, this, this is one that we know will take up quite a bit of the session in the Senate. It's going to take up a lot of time once they get past the whole redistricting thing. Right. So the Senate is going to have to come back and finish drawing the congressional lines because they had not done so during the off-season when they had a responsibility of being able to set the new lines after the census of 2020. As part of that, if they do not have the congressional lines drawn by January the 18th, the federal government will start drawing those lines. And I don't think anybody in South Carolina, well, I don't think any real conservative in South Carolina wants to have the federal government turn around and draw congressional lines. So the Senate is going to have to finish that work up when they get back. That's going to take several days of the first part of the legislative session when they come back. But we know full well Senator Tom Davis out of Beaufort County has been working very, very hard lobbying his colleagues to really push forward the medical marijuana bill that would legalize marijuana for medical uses. Now, the thing about that is it's got about a thousand different ways to Sunday about the ways that you can allow uh, marijuana to be used in this state. And there are some very bad aspects of this particular bill and the long-term impact that it can have. Because as 
as we heard Chief Keel, uh, the head of the state law enforcement division on one of our previous podcasts talk about, marijuana is a pathway towards stronger opioid and drug use. And we are in an opioid crisis in South Carolina. In the last eight years, we have seen opioid deaths triple to 1,725 people dying of opiate overdoses just last year. That is after seeing a decrease of people who are intentionally committing suicide. That, those numbers actually went down from 85 in 2013 down to 65 last year. So while fewer people are actually purposefully committing suicide, the number of people who are dying of drug overdoses has tripled. And this is a place where the faith community has got to step in and begin to realize that the substance abuse disorders that are there really show an underlying spiritual issue that needs to be addressed and dealt with. And that's what the gospel is. It speaks into those issues. And we're going to be talking about that in some more detail over the next few weeks, especially as we start looking at ways to engage the faith community in this. But medical marijuana is going to be a big issue that is going to be coming up in the headlines. Next one is educational opportunity. And there is an educational choice bill that is being pushed right now by the Speaker of the House to really begin to look at ways to open up those opportunities. We saw it happen, Justin, when the pandemic really struck. We had a number of, of about an 8% reduction in the number of children who were enrolled in South Carolina's traditional public schools, while the charter schools opened up and saw an, a tremendous growth over the last year of parents deciding, I'm going to have my child go to a different school. Charter schools are public schools, but they're publicly funded, but they're more independent than you have those who, that are in traditional classroom setups, the, the traditional school districts as we know them today. And this is a place where educational opportunity has really got to be expanded. The next on the list is one that you all know very well that we've talked about quite frequently, but the next two kind of flow hand in hand. Pro-life legislation. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, Justin, we passed the Beetle Heartbeat Bill. Sure, it's enjoyed by the court, but we passed it. What more is there to do? Well, there's also the fact that, you know, the, there's a possibility of overturning Roe versus Wade. So all of this, why do we need to worry about it anymore? Because pro-life legislation is not just making sure that babies aren't aborted in the womb. That's part of it. But we want to dispel the notion as it was given on – you can actually go to the governor's Twitter page, Governor Henry McMaster – Recap where he spoke at the at the dinner on, on Friday night, and someone underneath said, you're just about keeping babies alive and getting them born. Once they're born, you don't care. Well, we're working here at Palmetto Family to make sure that's not the only piece of pro-life legislation, and we're making sure that people are valued from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. We want to make sure that people are, are valued, and that's, that's the whole tenet of pro-life legislation. Well, that's the part that was so hard, especially during the heartbeat debate. There are folks who have been so pro-choice, pro-abortion, and they stood up in the well, and, and it just broke my heart to listen to it. it. It's so frustrating to hear somebody say, everybody in here is pro-life, y'all are just pro-birth. And you go, no, we're actually not. It's not just about birth. It's about really creating an opportunity for life for people. And it does matter what goes on in a child's life. It is the big C church stepping in sometimes to roles that have been abdicated to 
government agencies and, and the church doing its responsibility. It's making decisions that will create opportunity. It is thinking about things like not only education, but economic development for jobs for moms and dads who can then have a better opportunity to take care of their kids so that their kids can have a better opportunity to provide the next generation the life that they deserve. We talk about it in South Carolina all the time with with the transportation businesses that are here. You know, we have tire industries, we have airplanes, we create cars, we build cars here. You know, there's an infrastructure system that's here. Those things are supported by the work that the Department of Commerce does in building new new economic opportunities, in having economic policies that make it more likely for businesses to want to come to South Carolina, to grow their workforces, to create more opportunity. That is also being part of pro-life, creating an atmosphere where life is enhanced and it grows and it has an opportunity not just to not be aborted. That's a negative way of looking at things. It is talking about a positive approach to creating opportunities for children who are born into a crisis situation, but having an ability to be adopted for addressing issues that have to deal with foster care and creating opportunities for people to serve in their communities, to meet the needs of families and children who are in crisis. It goes into those educational opportunities. It goes into job creation. It goes into lowering your taxes so that you have more money to take home. Things like that, that really do matter over time. And we're introducing something that hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but actually the Attorney General of the state of South Carolina just this week came out with the new numbers, the report from 2021, and that is human trafficking. Very few people, I think, Justin, understand how to recognize what human trafficking is. Realize, folks, there is an underlying sex trade that happens right underneath your nose, and you probably don't even know that it's happening. But it's real, and it's there there's been a 50% increase in reported cases of abuse. And far too often, this is drawing in young people, children. It's abusive. It is deadly. It is taking a person and treating them like a product and selling them for sex. And that right there should just turn your stomach. But there's so many gateways of getting there. The porn industry is doing its best to draw people in. When you think about things like having filters on your phone, every single device in my house, we turn on the filters and limit what you can actually be able to get access to. Why? Because you don't want to have that coming in. When you talk about the fact, the verse that says, the, the Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that should scare the living daylights out of you. Because if there was literally a lion standing right outside your door right now, I can guarantee you this, you would be a little fearful you would not want to either get out of your car or when you you wouldn't stop folding your laundry right now or whatever it is that you're doing at this moment and say, hey, listen, I'm just going to go take that lion on. Sure, that's not a problem whatsoever. No, we would be fearful if it was sitting right in front of us and we could see it. The reality is it's right in front of you and you can't see it. 
And that is a place where we are stepping in with our partners in one message to raise awareness of the issue of human trafficking and the damning impact it has on the lives of the victims who are part of it. And the last topic that we'll cover on Wednesday's press, in Wednesday's press conference, pardon me, and one that, again, is one of those that you feel like is not very necessary if once I say it, but just bear with us here. Religion is essential. It's past the house. And I know what you're saying. It's the same thing. Dave, you mentioned earlier about schools, same thing about churches. Well, we didn't close churches here. The governor was very... Um, very poignant in saying we're not going to force churches to close during the pandemic. It's not going to happen. Churches the, are the same as your EMS and your firefighters and your police officers. We're not closing churches. But it's not state law. Right. And the thing with that is, if you put it into state law, then some other governor somewhere down the line cannot then turn around and by executive order close the churches. It seems so fundamental. You know, we were in a conversation the other day off the off the air. We were talking about the fact that that you know, when you think about the amendments to the constitution, they almost didn't include the first amendment to the constitution and the and the protection of religious liberty. Why? Because it was assumed that based upon the fact that as a country we were set up and established because people were seeking religious freedom, religious liberty, that do we really need to write this into the constitutional document? Thank God they did. Absolutely. Because when you put it in writing, then it is known. When you put it into the state code, it is abundantly clear, and it cannot be left to question. So, as simple as it might seem, religion is essential, is an essential piece of legislation that we need to make sure gets signed. And we will have ways for you to be involved in what's going on in these issues. But the most important thing that we're asking you to do, if you can, is to join us at the State House this Wednesday, January the 12th at 10 a.m., the second floor lobby of the State House. It is free to get into the State House. The state house is open. The people can come in, as we saw this weekend when we had prayer in the chambers. Come and join us on the second floor lobby of the state house as we lay out these issues and make it abundantly clear to the members of our legislature that these are issues that can and must be addressed the second half of legislative session. Again, middle of May will be the end of the legislative session for this term which means that if it doesn't get passed by the middle of May, it's not going to be coming in, into law in South Carolina. It'll have to have to start all over again when they come back next January. And what's important to understand about that is it is 2022, which means it is an election year. And Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, everything's up for grabs. Everything is up for grabs. So the House and all of our constitutionally elected uh, leaders, that'd be governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, superintendent of education, the comptroller general, the treasurer, and I am forgetting some. Oh, the secretary of state and the department of agriculture. So there's eight of them. And so in understanding that we're going to be electing every House seat and all of our constitutional officers, the Senate is not up for election in 22. The South Carolina Senate is not. But all of those others are. And this is a place where your voice 
matters. And so as we head into this legislative session, second half of it, and an election year, we want you to know that you can count on us. We're going to bring you all the information we can to make sure you are aware and you understand what's going on inside the state house. So here's here's something new. As we start the second half of the legislative session, we'll be bringing you updates every single week from the state house. Here's what happened this week in the legislature. We're going to bring you those updates every single week. This week we launched the Candidate Conversations podcast. Now, I will tell you, the first interview is about education. Education. Superintendent of Education will be up for grabs, and Molly Spearman's not running again. No. So somebody will be the new superintendent of education. There's no chance that the incumbent wins here because the incumbent isn't running. So we'll have that conversation. Dave will talk with Ellen Weaver uh, about her ideas for that office. And here's the great thing about that conversation. It's unfettered. It's not through a news broadcast. It is just a conversation in front of two microphones. Well, here's the fun. Here's the fun little fact for you, so that you can understand this. I, as a former journalist, television news. If you watch a half hour newscast, there is 22 minutes of news time. Once you take out sports and weather, you're left with about 12 minutes, which they try to shove about anywhere between 18 and 22 stories into those 12 minutes, which is not a whole lot of time. At best, you're going to get a 15 to 20 second audio clip of an interview or a statement that's being put out there by somebody who's running for office. We think that that's not the best use of your time in understanding where people are on an issue. That's why we're asking you to share our Candidate Conversations podcasts with your friends so that they can hear firsthand in an in-depth conversation. These are 20, 30-minute conversations with candidates talking about the issues why they matter, where they're coming from on those issues, and how does that fit into a worldview? And is that worldview one that you support? We want these to be open times of real discussion about real issues because they they matter in what people are thinking and how they can react and respond to questions that are asked really help you to understand beyond what you get in sound bites, beyond what you even hear in a debate to the real things that are going on in these elected offices, which are really the shepherds of government that God establishes. And that's another part of things that we're going to be talking about as you get involved and continue to invite your friends and your neighbors and your folks from your church and the folks from your civic organizations to be involved in what we're doing here at Palmetto Family. And there are a lot of ways that you can get connected with us. There are tons of ways. Number one, you can download the Palmetto Family Council app. You can go to your app store on your iPhone, on your Android, on your iPad, wherever, and download the Palmetto Family Council app. What better time to do it than now? Because you can connect, you can get inside the state house through our app you can find out who your representative is who your senator is and here's what's important you can track legislation you can set it up to get alerts on education so or on legislation pardon me if you want to find a bill that talks about educational opportunity you can flag that one you can you can put one on transparency in education or the medical rights of conscience bill that's heading to the senate and will be teamed up with a bill from the Senate. So you can track those as well. Those are important. You can also text guardrails to 76076. As we hit this portion of the calendar year, we're going to be sending out lots of alerts. So you're going to want to make sure you're aware of that. And of course, you can follow us on our social media channels as well. And as always, subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family.
these are ways for you to be able to get connected in what's going on in South Carolina. That's why we're here. We're here to serve you in your community as a biblical worldview on the issues that are happening in ways that you can be a part of those and what happens. But it's not just what goes on at the state house. There are other things that we're going to be working on this year. And as we begin to roll those out, we hope that you will find your place to connect with the work that God's called us to do here at Palmetto Family, whether it's this, the issue of adoption, foster care, the opioid crisis, issues with human trafficking and and ways to really begin to address the issues that are out there. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, I didn't come for the well. I came for those who were sick. And that's what sometimes we have to do. We have to look for those opportunities for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus into the situations that are going on right here around us so that through them, people have the ability to hear the gospel and hear the life-changing message that Jesus can have in their own lives. So we pray that you would be a part of that with us. If this is something that you love and want to be able to be a part of, please sign up for our newsletters at palmettofamily.org. If you'd like to invest in the work that we do, we are focused on a kingdom return on investment, and we would welcome your investment in the work that we are trying to continuously stretch out and do more of as we reach across the state of South Carolina with the message of the gospel and how it can really change lives. That's all we have for you today on the Tuesday edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Again, make sure you're at the State House Wednesday, January 12th at 10 a.m. for the One Message Press Conference. We outline these priorities. Of course, join us on Friday for our current event edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. It's been established. That's where we really go into the news of the day and what's happening at that very moment in Washington and in South Carolina. And of course, Thursday will be the launch of the Candidate Conversations podcast. Make sure you get your hands on that. We'll put it out, but it'll be on a different channel than this one. So make sure you get that podcast and begin to listen and share. For Dave Wilson, I am Justin Hall. We will see you at the State House on Wednesday.